Hello, welcome to Culture Fear. 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 That song does my head in, but let's put that to one side, shall we? Hello, welcome to Culture Fear, episode 12, which means that um, I've been doing this for a year now, which is um, probably longer than I thought I would. Very cool, um, had some great conversations with some people, like people that I really think are great and I'm glad that I could hear their story, um, some like really surprising stuff, um, yeah, so that's great, thank you for listening, if you have um, done throughout or any of them or just this one that's like super super cool um, yeah as far as um, things are going uh, for me I got into university which I spent the last 12 months really like kind of sacrificing a lot really to get to and I yeah so that is amazing um, a lot of self doubt managed to get through it got into uni Moving up to uh, the University of Sheffield Hallam, I'm doing a history degree. Um, I'm 26, so I'm a bit older, which uh, should be interesting. But yeah, super psyched, I love history. It'll be interesting to see how I'm able to do it, really. Put my love of history into the academic side of everything. Um, yeah, moving up to Sheffield in a, a few weeks' time. Got a house with, um, my, uh, with my girlfriend. Um, and um, her maybe soon to be our dog super 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 excited about that Um, trying to whittle down clothes and trainers that are like worthy of taking Um, (laughs) but yeah um, that's really really exciting Um, if anyone's got any advice for uh, a first time university student hit me up last few weeks I've been working a new job been labouring um, been pretty intense at times on uh, physically but um, really great like needed the money after a year of uh, studying for, uh, two days a week um, which is going to put me in good stead for uni um, that's about it really from me um, uh, lots of erms today but yeah thank you for listening this uh, episode is with um, my good friend Gabby she is great I guess I've known her maybe around six years now um I remember we talk a little bit about the first time I met her um but the second time I met her was at this show um that um was at Mile End Skate Park with like loads of loads of bands and she was on uh, the barbecue making these like sick tofu burgers and she was just like super welcoming and like really nice and I guess then, I guess like kind of always been a bit like shy around new people, especially in punk. Um, always thought I wasn't cool and didn't know enough um, of the cool bands that everyone else seemed to know. So uh, so I might have thought that I looked like a dweeb, but then like Gabby's like, oh, hey, uh, that was, yeah, sick. Kind of just, that's what she's like, really. She's just a really great person. I think that you're going to really enjoy this this conversation really and hear what she's got to say 
I've probably the most I've laughed in any of these conversations. Um, but yeah, she's great. Um, I hope that you enjoy her story. And yeah, if if you do, please tell your friends. Um, you know, maybe rate us, um, subscribe. All that stuff is cool. Um, reach out. That's the coolest one for me, really. If you want to reach out and talk about anything, then like do it um, at Culture Fear. No, yeah, at Culture Fear or Gmail at Goo. Yeah, you'll find me. All right. Anyway, I'm gonna stop stumbling on my words. Peace. Take care. Bye. Hey, Gabby. How you doing? Good. Sweet. Um, yeah, how's life? Yeah, it's pretty fine. What, at the moment. what you been up to? Just started a new job. Cool. Um, yeah, not much really. Yeah, I guess your first job after um, going to uni for a little while. Yeah. How, how was that? How's finishing uni been? Great. I mean, I hate UCL. It's a shithole. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, yeah, I, I, don't like, I don't like it at all. It's yeah. a pretty bad institution that doesn't really care for its students and... Yeah, I mean, both like a really like global, well-rounded sort of education, but they really don't care. And oh, really? I mean, in my opinion, and a lot of students' opinions. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, I mean, most people I talk to or have bad things to say. Okay. So, Damn. Yeah, I mean, finished, so I'm happy I finished. Yeah, yeah, because so, yeah. you spent, uh, was it 18 months away from UCL? Yeah, in Amsterdam. In Amsterdam. Yeah. How was that? Good. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to stay. I applied to, but they wouldn't let me. Okay. Better environment to work, learning, obviously more supportive. Yeah, I mean, I, just the city as well. Yeah. I, it was really nice. Uh, working in, a, I, was doing, I was working as a sound engineer in like a queer community space, which was pretty fun. Lots of nice people, lots of nice friends. It was a really diverse place as well. Um, lots of people from different cultures and backgrounds and yeah. identities. And, and you, fun. um, yeah, because you got into you weren't just because your course. What was your course? Dutch and philosophy. Okay, and you, did, but yeah, you um, did a lot outside of your course, extra curriculum, right? Because I saw a play that you were in. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean yeah, we wrote a play in uh, in Amsterdam, uh, which was called Oi Sissy, like not S I S S Y, but C I S S Y. Yeah, uh, which was about. Um, trans experiences but from the people that wrote it so there was six of us that wrote it yeah, and we all put our experience in and sort of turned that into a a, a script you were in the London one right? Oh, yeah I went yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I loved it yeah I thought yeah, I thought it was good I enjoyed it um, but we performed four times at Amsterdam Fringe okay uh, which was pretty scary because it was in like a proper theatre and it was all like reviewers and theatre heads and stuff yeah. and like really sort of like cultured people all looking at us and writing down their opinions and doing reviews and it was quite intimidating because there were some people you know that had bought theatre passes for the whole of Fringe so yeah. they went to like every event you know so even if they weren't like writing about it they were like quite opinionated and you know would leave like little opinions in the box like okay. I've seen three this week and this was mediocre or something Yeah, you know yeah. so it's quite intimidating being in that level but it was interesting, like looking at like behind the scenes of a theatre, because like things that you don't even think about, like the Camden People's Theatre wasn't like that. That's like a pretty low key theatre. There's no like special effects or anything. Yeah. But in the other one, there's like 
backstage like TV so you can watch like the other people's performances <laughs> yeah. so you don't miss your cues and you're all sitting there getting changed watching the TV and like talking people's lines through and then you know it's your turn and then you get lined up and the director's like your turn and then you go out where so it's quite you know I'd never seen that experience before yeah and I went to see um Fun Home recently and it was the first theater thing I did since performing that piece actually and when I was watching it, all I could think about, what were the actors doing backstage? Yeah. I was like sometimes forgetting to watch it because I was thinking, what are they doing behind there? I wonder if they're doing what I was doing, like standing there, like watching the TV, like breathing and, you know, getting pumped or whatever, or like being nervous. Yeah. Or do you think because they're professionals, they don't even look at the TV. They're just like getting on with it and then just like go out and do their thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Super interesting. Were they, um, was it a good group of people to have that experience with? Yeah, a really beautiful group of people. I mean, the the range of people who all identified as trans were, like, the youngest was, like, 23. Okay. And the oldest was 62. Wow. And there was, you know, so and there was a great age. The director was in her late 40s, really, really nice person. You know, so a really wide range of ages and backgrounds and identities and, like, family structures and stories and... In, experiences yeah. like so many different experiences um so to talk about it it was quite an, it, quite intense because the way we set about writing it was more like um like instead of like just getting down and like writing we just like for f- like four months we just did these intense group sessions where we just sit there for like six seven hours and just talk about experiences yeah. and the director was recording it and writing it down and sometimes when like you know we just like didn't even forgot the recording was happening and then yeah. a few weeks later we'd listen back and we'd hear all talking about we eventually used some of the recordings in the piece over the top um yeah so it was quite strange it was nice to talk to other people about their experiences and learn about their identities because yeah. it was quite a range and yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then her son, the director's son, um, like helped backstage. Okay. Like during the performances. Yeah. Like would like help us like with our cues and the script and like getting changed and all that sort of stuff. So it was quite fun. Yeah, it was a fun experience. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. that's brilliant. Um, yeah, I guess it was. Was it? Yeah, and I guess obviously you said it was amazing hearing other people's experiences. Yeah. It must have been great to be able to talk like to your peers about your experiences as well. See what's similar, see what wasn't. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, I mean it was it, it was a bit intimidating at first because I don't really share my emotions much, or I haven't really talked about it with other people in great depth. Yeah, and some of those people were like you know in their fifties and hadn't done that, so that's what made it more comfortable. Yeah. Like knowing that you're you're not the only one because you sometimes think that everyone has someone else to talk to and you're like, why am I the only one that doesn't? Yeah. But then it becomes sort of, it was it was really, there was a lot of like intense moments, you know, like of emotion because, you know, it was too much to take for people and stuff, like yeah. including myself. So it was quite, it was really intense. Yeah. But then afterwards it felt quite free, you know, like performing it. And like doing the play in front of people, like yeah. watching and like you know enjoying it and having good things to feedback to, you know, because you were there. We had like the interactive yeah. piece at the end. Yeah, people write down stuff and then you read it out and then 
Yeah, that was great. <laughs> yeah. 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 So it was a bit nervous because, like, you know, as well, like, someone... We, we had, like, the, we, had, we had these things ready, these, like, things that we were going to say if someone wrote something shitty. Okay. You know, because, like, for the eventual, like, so we weren't, like, put on the spot. Yeah. So then that was pretty intense because then we had to talk about what shitty things people could say and what, what level of shitty thing would it be that they would say that then we would have to react to. Yeah. So it was pretty fun. And there was only one shitty thing that was said over the whole five performances. And it wasn't even that, it wasn't, like, bad. Like, it might have been bad for some people, but we were prepared for it, you know. Yeah. So yeah. it was... uh yeah, it was a nice experience. Nice. Yeah. I feel like I might want to do something like it again, but I don't know. Like, part of me is that like, oh, I've done that. Okay. And it was fun then, but yeah, yeah. I don't know if I could do it again. Like, I'm not like an actor and I'm not like a performer, really, like an art performer. Yeah. You but know? do you think you you could dip your toes back in if you just, if you felt like it, but not right now? If it was, if it was the right project. Yeah. I definitely could. But I'm not like got passion for it. I'm like I'll just take any project now. Get on the stage. Yeah. The nerves were too much. Like playing gigs is enough. Like I still get nervous before playing gigs. Yeah. And you're only there twenty minutes. And even <laughs> if you play bad, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I feel like you're really exposed on the stage. Like some parts are really quiet, and if you do one bit out of place, it's so noticeable. And then you've got to like sort of pick yourself back up and. Yeah, especially what you did, which um. It was quite a reflection on you as a person as well, because you really put like your own experiences and so much time and that into it. So, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of risk of getting hurt. There's a lot of risk of exposing yourself. Not like at first, uh, it was a risk exposing yourself to like the people you identified with and were close with, mm. you know, as other trans people. But then knowing that you're going to expose that to like the open world, like to people in the public who might not know about any of it. Like so many people like came because they, they just had like a theater pass. Like I said, yeah. they they don't know what they are expecting to see. And some people had never even like heard of these experiences or knew what they were. So we're just like, what is this? You know, like yeah. what are these people? Who are these people? And it was nice because often they would like, want to know, but then you, once you've done it and you've opened that up, especially when people do reviews, like I was saying. You can't take that back. You can't, like, then go, I don't want people to see this anymore. Like, I, w I want it to go away, like it's yeah. out there, you know? So it was nice, but also terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so how have you been um, putting your uh, Dutch to good use since... Since yeah, I guess is it quite difficult in London to <laughs> speak Dutch a lot? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's not many people. I, I feel like it might be quite hard to speak Dutch in the Netherlands when they hear yeah. a British accent. Well, in in Amsterdam, <laughs> yeah, like maybe, but I have quite a good Dutch accent when I talk Dutch. Okay, so most people like don't recognise straight away. Is that if I have like long periods of conversation, or if I'm like drunk or tired, then I'll, it will start coming out more English. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. people will know, but. When you sort of interact with people immediately, I think it's fine. But Emma's learning Dutch. Oh, amazing. Emma's really good, but she doesn't talk back. I'll say stuff in Dutch and she'll just like reply in English. Okay. But that's fine. Like, that's well, how you learn, I guess. Yeah, yeah, Emma, Emma being your partner. Yeah, yeah. She understands a lot, yeah. I think she tries to make out like she doesn't understand as much. And then like <laughs> you say something and she'll be like, answer. And then and like, you're like, ah, I know, yeah, see, you know, you, you know, what, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. But I also read a lot in Dutch as well and listen to Dutch radio. Yeah. So at the moment I'm reading Lord of the Rings in Dutch. Cool. Yeah. What's Lord of the Rings called in Dutch? Um, in the barn. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, it's funny. It's funny to say it. Um, God, I can't remember what it's what it's called. 
Well, yeah. No. Oh, the, the Barn van der Ring. Okay. Like the journey of the ring. Yeah, yeah. God, you put me on the spot there. I had to think about it. Apologies. That's fine. <laughs> um, it's just really tough because like there's like they they like translate everything. They don't even keep like the original names, like the surnames. So it's yeah. like, quite tough to read. But yeah. yeah. So Bilbo Bag or Frodo Baggins isn't called Frodo. Oh, he's called Frodo, but it's Barlings. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it's like, weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so. Um, yeah, I guess that's what you're you're up to now. And let's jump back a little bit. So you're so you're from you're from Kent, right? With a little bit of Dutch ancestry. <laughs> well, I mean, I was born in Liverpool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But my mum moved down to Kent when uh, we were younger. So you wouldn't identify as a Scouser? Uh, no. But the only family we really have all live in Liverpool. Yeah. So I visit quite a lot, and um, I've always been really close to my grandma and granddad, and only my grandma since my granddad died. And they both speak Dutch, so oh, cool. it's quite fun to um, talk to them in Dutch. But not my granddad, obviously. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So I talk to my grandma quite regularly, like quite yeah. often. Um, she still lives in Liverpool. We get on really well. Um, to be honest, I don't really talk to the rest of the family. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I do her, and yeah. obviously my mum's a scouser. So yeah, yeah. Talk to her. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So. Um, so yeah, so you so quite young when you moved to Kent. Yeah. What what was it like growing up in Kent? <sighs> Shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, home of the Tories. Fucking. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it was. I grew up in Ashford, which is just like a pretty shit town. Yeah. You know, it's quite divided because there's a lot of small villages around the edge that are also like part of Ashford. So uh, there's like a really big sort of like rich poor divide. Yeah. So there's like certain areas that like really sort of in poverty, yeah. and then some areas where they're like it's really rich, like massive houses and sort of. So there is like a huge divide of people that grow up there. Mm. Like we grew up in quite a poor area, and yeah, it was pretty intense. You know, like yeah, a lot of really intense stuff. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, how did you combat that? Do you think when you look back, you think, "Oh, I guess I got into that because I mean, there must be music." Or was there first love? Or no, music I mean, like, um, yeah, I don't know really. Like, I guess me, me, and a good friend, like, we just like bought guitars when we were like twelve or thirteen. You know, yeah. like saved up money or whatever, and I did like a paper round and went and bought one of those like fake strats for yeah. like fifty quid or something. Yeah, and then. Um, yeah, we just like played music in 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 my room or pretended to play, yeah. you know, or just sometimes listen to records or whatever. Not records actually, because I didn't start listening to records till I was eight, like older. But CDs, yeah, CDs and tapes yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And um, what yeah, was you, what were you listening to back then? So I mean, <laughs> I mean, the first record I ever bought, I bought two <laughs> records together, and it was uh, Nirvana Bleach, okay. which is quite a classy yeah, yeah, one yeah. for like you know a thirteen year old. But the other one was Corn Follow the Leader. <laughs> Because I just <laughs> just went to like the local music shop and I was just like, and my friend bought a Nevermind like the week before. Yeah. And we, I was like, well, if I'm going to buy one, then I might as well get a different Nirvana yeah. album because that one's great. It was like a couple of weeks before, but yeah. And then I was like, oh, but you know, I've got like seven pound left and this corn CD is like there. And it came with like a free corn poster. Well, you're going to get it, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so like, you know, just like started listening to that. Just like, this is so sick. Yeah, loving it, and then like we just like save up money every week, and then at the time Richard Records was in Ashford, 
And like Rich's Records was like, you know, quite a legendary place. Oh, really? I- well, no, I mean, it wasn't, but like everyone was like, cool. I mean, Rich's Records, you know, all the hardcore kids used to work oh, really? there and like, you know, used to go in there and like. So had a punk section? Yeah, like a punk and hardcore, because obviously at the time, like, Canterbury Straight Edge Hardcore was massive. Yeah. You know, and then, like, in the... Like, that guy from uh, NCF worked in the one in Canterbury, and there was one in Ashford and Canterbury. Yeah. So there was always this, like, you know, big punk section or whatever. But, yeah, so, like, when I had a bit more money, we'd go in there and be like, oh, get a CD. (laughs) I remember remember once (laughs) I went in there, and then one of the guys that worked in there was this old, moody dude... Like, it was just such a Classic, shit. Classic, like, record shop. Yeah, he was just such a shit. And I was, like, a young, impressionable kid. I think I was, like, 14. <laughs> and I went in there, and I, and I remember I just got, like, Christmas bonus from my paper round. So I was, like, I was going to go and buy a couple of CDs. Yeah. And I went in there, and I was, like, oh, and, and uh, stupidly, I was, like, I've got £20 to, like, buy some music. Like, what can you recommend? And uh, he was, like, I tell you what, we've just got, we're, we're getting <laughs> these, like, great records in. And, <laughs> and, uh uh, I think you'll like it. Like what sort? Of, I told him what sort of stuff I like, and he's like, "But we got to import it from America, so it's like eighteen pound." And I was just like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, do it." He's like, "Pay for it now, and then you can like come in when they're in next week." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah." I was like, "What is it called?" And he was like, "It's called Temple of the Dog." <laughs> Temple of the Dog. <laughs> it's like a project from like Pearl Jam and Soundgarden. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, you know, the singer is at Pearl Jam with Soundgarden, like, so like mixed members of that band wow. in like a super group or whatever. And it was awful. It's like the worst. <laughs> did, you know, did you know it was awful when you got it back? No, when, when I started listening to it, I was just like, this is awful. <laughs> and I remember listening to the first track and I was like, you know, when you're like really excited about something, so you're more willing to enjoy it. Yeah. So I took it back home, put it on really loud. And the first one, I was like, you know, jumping on my bed, like, this is sick. <laughs> and then like, Got into like track two and three, and I was like, "This is garbage. <laughs> this is so bad." And I got so annoyed. And it wasn't until like now I'm older, in hindsight, looking back, that they'd blatantly ordered them all in. This kid walks in and like yeah. mug. We're gonna like sell this kid like crap CD. Uh, crap CD because they're really expensive. Oh, yeah. So this experience of uh, Richard Records, but yeah, found some good good records in there. They were in like in, in the. Uh, but I always used to buy the CDs because I'd see the vinyl and I'd be like, what is this? I'm not buying this. Yeah. You know, like, I, like, I remember like going in to the one in Canterbury because I had like, the more hardcore stuff because, like, yeah. you know, the Canterbury scene. I remember buying, like, the Euro Sakaduchi winter and June split. <laughs> Fuck, it's so sick. Yeah. Still ha- still holds up today. Yeah. Definitely. I love it. Yeah, what was, um? yeah, what was was that kind of stuff, the first music where you were like, yeah, this is, like, a bit of me? Uh, well, I mean, I didn't, I didn't start getting into that till like I was a bit older. Yeah, when you started, what, what was your first like local show? <laughs> <laughs> so the first like, I mean, so the first local show I went to, I was like seventeen. Yeah. But it wasn't until I was then like nineteen when I went to the, uh, the second one after that. But like the first local show I went to, um, <laughs> I was seventeen, and it was uh, winter in June, uh, Sakaduchi, Canaan. Uh, and uh, Knuckle Dust played, you know, so there's like all these like straight yeah. edge bands. And it was in this place called The Star in Ashford that did shows for a little while. Yeah. And obviously I had no idea what like hardcore was or what straight edge was or what anything. I'm just like an idiot kid. So like, I go there and I'm like, I'm going to try and buy a beer. I'm only 17. They serve me 
So I'm like sick, like, yeah. get hammered. Like, and I was there in, like, do you know those big like blue jeans with the massive like bell bottoms at the end? Yeah. You know, ones that always get muddy and torn up at the back. <laughs> <laughs> I went in a pair of them and a no effects t-shirt. <laughs> and it, obviously it's funny now, but then I thought I was cool as fuck. You know what I mean? I was like the shit. And I... I just like, started growing my hair long as well. And like me and my friend thought it was cool to have greasy hair like Kurt Cobain. You know, so like greasy hair, like drinking, getting like hammered in this like straight edge show. Classic Grebo like. Classic Grebo, yeah. <laughs> Works at CEX now. Yeah. And then, and then, uh, and then I remember like I, 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 got, I managed to like get some cigarettes as well. And I thought it was super cool. So I was like smoking outside. <laughs> and then back then you could still smoke in pubs. Yeah. And it was just before um, Yura Sakaguchi were going to play. And I like went right into the middle, like right at the front. Like, not like right at the front, but like sort of in the middle. I thought it was cool. I like, started sparking up cigarettes, like, <laughs> smoking and that. Like. And then all of a sudden, like people start moshing. And in hindsight, I realised they were like trying to like push me out. Yeah. But I just thought, this is cool. So I get like, running back in and like... <laughs> <laughs> Like, moshing, you know, like, I'm cool. Because by then I'd gone to, like, a few, like, other gigs, like, in London, to, yeah. like, Hell is, Hell is for Heroes and, like, Funeral for a Friend and that. So I thought, yeah, moshing. <laughs> in hindsight, I probably, like, wasn't very like You were you just, know? like, bumping into people yeah, shoulder yeah. to shoulder. So, that, I mean, that was, like, the first introduction to, like, hardcore and stuff. But I never really, like, never really, like, got attached to it then. Yeah. Just thought that was a, that was a sick gig or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't until, like, when I was, like, 19 uh, that... I started getting more into it because yeah. it was just I like, started uh, formed a band called Tokyo Plastic. Okay, and uh, it was with like three friends from school, but we'd all sort of like two of us were friends still, and two of them had like sort of gone separate ways, but then we'd come back together, yeah. and they'd sort of like got into a bit into hardcore. So they're like, we want to do this like hardcore band, and then me and my other friend were like still like no effects nerds, you know. <laughs> yeah. So then I like, started going to a few gigs in Canterbury and the Scout Hut and. Uh, and at the Women's Institute, those like big gigs, and then just started getting like yeah into it that way more, and then it was around that sort of period of time as well that I met Rob and Chris, and we formed me and Goliath. Okay, yes. I met Rob when I was eighteen, and I, it was like between nineteen and twenty. How do you meet Rob? There's a good story there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so right. We we started working at Wilkinson's together. Well, I started working at Wilkinson's, and obviously he came as a sixteen-year-old. <laughs> yeah. And the first time we ever met, actually, like he was like training on the till, and I was just like, you know, being a little shit as usual. And I just like went over, and while he's serving people, just start like chatting to him and that. <laughs> and he's like talking to me back, and like our supervisor at the time was like really like, you're not allowed to talk when customers are there, you know, like really strict. And then I was like talking to him, and uh, she comes over, and she's like just start shouting at him, like, you're not allowed to talk to customers. And I just, like, belted, like, went off. <laughs> He's getting, like, shouted at. <laughs> so then, like, a couple of weeks later, we were like, oh, do you want to come out? And we'll go into town. And we ended up going to some bars and, like, getting absolutely wasted, you know, <laughs> like, stupid. But then we ended up getting chucked out of this bar because, like, we were jumping up and down, dancing, and it was making the CD decks jump. And the DJ got all pissy and was like, we want them gone. <laughs> so, like, all of us got kicked out. It was, like, six of us away, eight of us. And the next day, we all got so drunk that like all eight of us called in sick, and we were like, there was only like twelve till staff or whatever. Oh, no, and, it was, and, and and luckily, me and Rob were the first two to call in sick, like really early, and like three people got sacked, 
like afterwards because like they ended up calling like you know like 10 in the morning sacked for the sex yeah and by then it was like you know um by then it was like well five people are coming in i've already called in sick if you don't come in we know where you were if you don't come in we get you're getting sacked so yeah (laughs) awkward but then yeah so then we just started doing more gigs and then like we started playing shows in london yeah like with me and goliath so that's cool. Yeah. Just, like people just offered you and you're like, yeah. Or no, no, like... no. It's through Derek and Sam. Okay. Like, so we, you... had, we had no contact in London. <laughs> like they were like, I'll go to in London. So it was like, you know, Derek and Sam were like, there's a show in London. How about you come up? And we're like, we're not going to London. Like we'll get like, you know, robbed or something. You know, that's like. Was me and Goliath like pretty good, pretty quick? Uh, I wouldn't, I don't know. Not really. I mean, I, mean, I don't know. Did Sam and Derek love it? Yeah, I think so. Or they so, just yeah. thought like they're into good music. We'll just bring them along. Yeah, no, 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 it's because, like, Sam and Derek were living with Rob's cousin. Okay. And we were playing in a band with Rob's cousin. And that stopped, and then me and Goliath started, and then they moved back to London. So, yeah, like, we yeah. met, and we were, like, hanging out. We were, like, hanging out with them. <laughs> we were hanging out with them, like, uh, <laughs> we were in, like, Luke's house. So, obviously, they, like, they introduced, in, in terms of, like, more DIY stuff and, like, yeah. DIY punk and hardcore, it was all them introducing us. So they would like, oh, listen to this band, listen to this band. Oh, there's a show happening on Friday. Why don't you come up and stay at ours? And then like me and Goliath was going on. So they were like, oh, we're putting on a show next week. Why don't you guys play? Yeah. You know, then just started getting more into it. And then me and Chris were like, let's do a show in Ashford. So then we did like two shows in Ashford uh, with this uh, band called Al Rosa, like rubbish band from Scotland. Like they were nice people. Back then they seemed like nice. I don't know what they're like now, but like, they weren't very good, but it was fun. And we didn't, and we like seen people doing food for the bands in London. So we like did a little like sausage rolls and like cocktail sausages for the band. That Iceland. <laughs> yeah. Because we were like, yeah, this is what you're meant to do. You know, like give food to the bands. in like a little buffet with like, you know, little quiches and stuff. And it definitely weren't enough, but we yeah. were like sick. Totally did a good job. <laughs> Smashed it. And uh, yeah, and then it, it just like sort of, yeah, like that's how they got more connected through them. Yeah, like before, I didn't really have a clue, you know, just like, yeah, no idea at all. And what kind of music? So, Sam and Derek, um, like for the listeners, I guess, so Sam was on this podcast, um, Samantha Fairclough, and Derek, um, husband and wife, they did a distro at the time, right? Yeah, Parade of Spectres, yeah, yeah, and um, were they, were they booking tours at that point? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, and then, so did they get you into, like, Screamo, or was you already into it? Was, like, me and Goliath already, like, a Screamo band, do you think? Uh, we, we Yeah, because Derek and Sam got us really into City of Caterpillar. Yeah. And, like, we were just, like, you know, then we're, like, we want to sound like this. Like, we look, there's nothing, <laughs> we just literally have to sound like this band. Like, <laughs> like, this is the best band we've ever heard, you know? Yeah. And then, like, at the time, Screamo was massive, wasn't it? Like, oh, okay. Well, it, was, it wasn't, like, that big then, but it was getting big, like, La Coerte, were like becoming like you know quite big and like touring all over and maybe she had the American like um orchid and yeah orchid um, and stuff like and uh what was that what's the band that begins with eight um oh, I can't remember God, I can't remember I'm so bad at remembering stuff but um yeah it's like screamo was like becoming a thing there was a band like Louis Cyphere from Germany you know like total like Neil Perry. Neil Perry, yeah, sick band, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, loads of bands. 
All the bands. <laughs> like all the all three of those massive bands. So sick. Anyway, so we, we were like we were like, you know, but then we like we were like, we've got to sound like this band and just like have to write songs that sound like this band, you know. Yeah, and then you did. And then we sort of did, yeah. <laughs> and then funny story, like then when I was living in Amsterdam, like put them on and I thought this is, and then I went, so it went to America, me and Rob, me and Rob flew to America, like in January of last year to go see them because they were doing like free reunion shows and we're like, we're never going to get to see them, you know, like, let's go to America, like waste all this money, fly to yeah. America, went and saw them in Philadelphia and then like two months later, we're like, we're coming to Europe, do a tour. Uh, and I ended up getting the Amsterdam show, so I did the Amsterdam show. And, uh, you know, like people say, like, don't meet your heroes, you know, because like yeah. you'll get let down. I think that I think that's pretty true. <laughs> really? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't say they're necessarily like bad people, you know, but they're just kind of like just didn't care. Just, not, not, yeah, didn't care, and it was just so obvious, like you know, like just kind of a bit like rude and like you know, arrogant. Did I they had, watch me in life. Uh, one of them did. But then they all said they did, and they didn't. <laughs> well, we know they didn't, yeah. you know what I mean? You were looking like... Yeah, yeah, where are they? Uh, uh, the drummer did. Yeah. That guy that used to play in Darkest Hour. Oh, Ampere was a band I was thinking of. But anyway, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, yeah. yeah. And then so I put, and then I did the Amsterdam show. Played with them in Berlin, then I did the Amsterdam show. And, like, they were just, like, you know, like, rock stars. You know, they had, like, a rider. They wanted, like, two bottles of whiskey, like, 24, wow. like, 20, a crate of beer that has to be, like, locally brewed, like, vegan beer. And then, like, they wanted, like, 600 euros for the show, plus, like, a 10% or, like, well, it was more than that, like, 40% or something of anything made after that before, like, the local bands got any and stuff like this. And it, and then, then they ended up staying at a friend's house and kind of trashed it. And I didn't, not, like, you know, purposefully trashed it. But, like, didn't wash up and clean up. Didn't wash up, up didn't clean up. up, left all their shit about. We, like, borrowed loads of sleeping bags for them. They complained that it was too small. Like, they wanted a hotel originally, and we were like, nah, like, we're poor. We're not getting you a hotel. So <laughs> yeah. you can stay at our friend's house. They're going to let you stay in their really nice apartment, and it's yours. You know, we'll give you sleeping bags as clean sheets and that. They've got extra mattresses in because they wanted, like, nice mattresses and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And then just, like, didn't clean it all. Just like went, you know, yeah. never heard from them again. I like didn't say thanks or whatever. And then when it comes to paying the money, we made like quite a bit of money on the door, but it wasn't near what their 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 um right, yeah rider was what they asked for. And there was quite a lot of people there, and I just thought, actually, you know what? The local, some of the local bands, are, like from other parts of the Netherlands, I wanted to like give because so much money was made, I couldn't justify just like giving it all to them, and then being like, so I, I said to them, like, we got, we got like, I gave them like five hundred and fifty quid or something, yeah. and then split one hundred and fifty euros between the three support bands because Skylark came from the UK as well, yeah. And, like, he was just, like, got his calculator out and started, like, working out how many people went through the door and, like, how much money that is and, like, you know, all this stuff. And was just like, well, that works out that you've earned all this. And bearing in mind we had, like, a policy on the door that you don't have to pay all the amount because we're not going to just, like, make you pay. Yeah. So, like, no one's turned away for lack of funds. So you don't count all the people that didn't pay full and or came in for free. And he starts going, oh, you made this much money and, like, you, you owe us this much. And I was like, no, I don't. Like, and I'm not going to give it to you, sorry. Like, I'm not going to the bank, I've got no money. And it was just kind of got really awkward, you know. Yeah, and yeah. then we just sort of like, you know, you know when like usually you make friends with a band, you spend a couple of days yeah. with them, and then you're all hugs and stuff. And like, it was just like, yeah, bye, sort of like back turned, like, see ya. God. Yeah, arrogance, you know. Yeah, and yeah. Not, I wouldn't say they're like bad people, but. Just different, 
different. Yeah, just different. And then obviously, like we always used to be like, oh, sick band, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least you got to steal their riffs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, make them better. Yeah, at least you got to improve and fine tune their riffs. Um, yeah, so me and Goliath started playing out quite a bit, right? Yeah, I guess so. Did you do Europe before you broke up? First? Yeah, like twice. No, yeah, twice. Yeah, yeah twice. Seymour? <laughs> like five times because <laughs> I So um, for the listeners like house that don't know, Crimea Riverfest is just, well. You you say what Crimea Riverfest? You, you it's just like Screamo Fest in North Germany. In we mid, started middle out middle of nowhere, middle of nowhere, like literally the middle of nowhere, like <laughs> yeah. one house for like miles, sort of stuff. But I mean, I guess it started out as friends by Lars, right? We protest label, and then it kind of got big for a few years. And now it's gone small again. And like, it's only friends. Like, yeah. Cause you know, well, because Screamo's not big anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same bands every year. I mean, just I mean I, less people go yeah, and watch. I, I go every year still because like, there's loads of friends. It is just like seeing people you don't get to see. Was it sick, like, um, going and play like, out there with me and Goliath? I mean, sometimes it was. Yeah. I mean, there was one time when it was really fun. And like, no one ever really, like, you know, went mad when me and Goliath played. Like, moshed and stuff but there was not one... like that lich one <laughs> not like that lich one no but I mean there was one year me and Goliath played and like it, people were like going mad or whatever and we were just like yeah you know <laughs> loving, loving it. it yeah yeah so that's cool so um, yeah what were those first tours it like in Europe I mean like just kind of like wild you know like just yeah. wild you know you think you're like rock stars <laughs> and you're playing to like five people in like hamburg but you don't care it's like yeah dude. you know cause I, I think I, the first time we went on tour we did it with a band called violent breakfast okay. <laughs> from italy and they were really really nice people bad bands like awful but really nice people <laughs> which is which is what it's all about really it doesn't matter yeah. i mean i haven't spoke to a single one of them in like 10 years but yeah, yeah it was nice so that was fun but it was just kind of a bit weird like one there was one day when we like were in the van and were a bit hyper and we put like Dizzy Rascal on yeah. and all of them were just like like shocked in their seats. I didn't know what they were listening to and like not having a good time. We had to like change the music and it was a bit <laughs> yeah. awkward. But, yeah. but then we did like Europe and met loads of good friends and nice people and still people that I've played shows for again. Yeah. And like hung out with, not even for shows, but like gone to hang out with. Yeah. Um Yeah, so that was that was really fun. Yeah, yeah, and then you st- and then that kind of s- stopped, didn't it? Me and Goliath. <laughs> the first <laughs> time, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and but then you started doing Lich pretty much straight away, right? Or like was? Like... Uh, and I think there was a little bit of like non not playing for a while. Yeah, but then Lich played a yeah. lot of shows for what was it three three years maybe? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like a really intense three year period, right? Like pretty much the birds the birds nest like house band. Like I remember there was one point when we were. Um, I think we played the bird's nest like four weeks in a row at the weekend. No. And we were just like, we can't do this. Like, it, it, what it came down to is like the fourth weekend we played in London twice on the Friday and the Saturday. And the Friday we played this, like, we played at the bird's nest. And it was funny because we were like the house band. So everyone left before we played. And it was just like, um, uh, like two people left, just like absolutely losing it while we're like playing, which was fun, yeah, like, you yeah, know, whatever. Yeah. But then we went and played like the Scumfest benefit. And we just like it was so awful. It was just like the worst gig like ever. Oh really? It was just horrible. Like 
we we played like one song, then like the PA all blew up, and then we just like stood there with our instruments on for like twenty minutes because every time we started taking them off, everyone was like, no, no, no leave them on, leave them on because it's gonna be back in a minute. <laughs> so we're just like standing there for like twenty minutes. Just like all I can imagine what Derek on. was like. Yeah. You gotta be kidding me! <laughs> I mean, no, it was a tiny place, so he's just like going red and blo- holding it all in, you know. It was, and it was just like it just looked, and like everyone was getting all like you know, un- like unrestful or whatever. Yeah. And it was just a bit like intense. Yeah. And then we were like, we can't play London for a while. Like we've just got to, yeah. we got to stop this because like we're beginning to be like the Bird's Nest house band, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, um, it can't that, be worse than. Um, the first time I met you, when um, I put on Lich, and Sam says it's probably the most awkward show she's ever played. Was that in Kingston? <laughs> when no one claps. <laughs> Finish the song, and it was just it was like dead silence. Like not even like a, a movement. It was just like I think at one point we finished like the second song, and it was dead, and one person just like skulked out like, in front of us, like walked out because <laughs> you had to walk right past the band to get out. And we were just like quiet, watching the person leave. Like did that take some guts? Though. I wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah, that I wouldn't be able to leave. That <laughs> takes some real guts. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was a good time because then we did like quite a lot of records. Yeah, like toured yeah. quite a lot, quite heavy at one point. Yeah, loads. Did some like pretty intense touring, um, which was fun, like great experience. Yeah, and did it with my best friends. You know, like all of them are just like really good friends. And like obviously Rob, also from Me and Goliath, was in there, and like we just sort of like always had such a good time. Yeah, know? and you got to bring friends along with you, didn't you? Quite a bit. Yeah, well, I think like there was one point when we were like touring so much, there was like. Each time we went, there was like a new friend we had to take, you know. <laughs> and I think like Mel came with us one time, and then Chris Little drove us one time. Yeah. Um, with me and Goliath, Jules came on tour with us once. Yeah. Um, that was really fun. Those were really fun times, you know. When we cloud rat once, then that was a pretty intense and pretty long. Like it was a nice time. Yeah. 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 You remember um, after one tour, you did what's the American band of all the film film. So, Graf Orlock. Yeah, like, yeah. and then um, I, f- I think, you, no, you toured with Tempest, but then played with Graf Orlock in, at the windmill. Yeah, it's because we, 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 we toured Europe with Tempest, and then we toured the UK with Graf Orlock oh, okay. straight after. That was the best lit show I think I ever saw. Oh, was it? It was like, oh, it's just so tight, and oh. it just sounded so I think this because we just come off Euro tour. Yeah, so you were like, yeah. really like, yeah, on it. it I, I, I think we were one of those bands, though, that, if there was a period where we didn't practice for a month and we had a show, it was like awful. Like we needed the two week tour <laughs> to like become tight. So then like the tightest we ever were were just at the end of tours. Yeah. And then we wouldn't play for three months and then play a show where we'd forget everything. And yeah. then like have to re like re-remember. I like, had practice. Like, how do we play that bit? Like the song we play like five hundred times now, like Yeah. Know. Which is quite funny because obviously Savage Realm, the new band. <laughs> you never practice, you never play shows, but when you do, it's not, it's not, I wouldn't say, like, when I watch it, I don't think, well, that's sloppy. Yeah, I mean, because we've had the same, like, five songs for, like, five years. Yeah. <laughs> and Kunal, I mean, just, like, yeah, I mean, machine. I think we have six, maybe. <laughs> I'm not sure, I can't remember. But, yeah, it's probably why, because, like, they're the only ones we have to practice, so, <laughs> tight. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so Lich, I guess. So, me and Goliath got back together towards the end of Lich, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I, I, getting back together is a bit strong because <laughs> I think like it was like let's get back together, play one show, and not do it again for like two years. That's pretty much what it was. Like we played like, the first time, we were like, oh, let's do it again. What you just like? Why did we stop? And you're like, oh yeah, why? Let's just do it again. Was yeah, that why? Well, yeah, it was pretty much. 
Yeah. It's like we had fun playing the songs. I think what it was is I like everything was changing. Like I moved to London, yeah. so it was harder to practice, like partly my fault. So it it was like, oh, let's just play like a last show. And didn't Rob try and stop drumming it a bit because he got stuff stolen? Oh, no. I mean, he didn't try to stop drumming, but he just got annoyed with it. <laughs> and then Derek's like, no, nah, you got to join the new band. Yeah. I think, I think, I think what it was is because, yeah, we were on tour the first time with me and Goliath and... Um, yeah, we like parked up in. We were going through Leipzig. We we're playing in Leipzig that night, and we heard like a bash on the back of the door. And obviously, like then Chris was driving. He looked in his wing mirror, and he didn't see anything like fall out the back of the truck. So we just thought, what was that? Like it must have been something that's fallen back in in the back of the van. And what happened was we'd stopped at the traffic lights, and someone had opened the door up. No. And because the drums were like they fit nicely behind the door, they just opened it up, pulled the drum case out. And like slammed the door back shut, and that's what the slam was—the door like sort of shutting back and closing on itself. So then we got to the venue, and we were like, "Let's just check the back, you know, like to see what it is." And then the door was like not closed properly; it was like had a gap. So you opened it, yeah, and the symbols were gone. And um, yeah, I think it was like most devastating because like me and Goliath had been a band for a while, and like Rob was always talking. He had these like really crappy symbols. And was always talking like about this one set he wanted to buy, like a twenty-four-inch like ride and yeah. all this stuff. And I think he spent like two grand on symbols. Wow. It was like the most, you know, being like a twenty-year-old or twenty-one-year-old is the most you probably ever spent in your life. Yeah. And then the first tour you take them on, they get stolen like a week in. So I think he just like I, I don't think he didn't want to drum. I think it's more like trying to get over that. Just trying to get over it. Just like why is this happening? Yeah. This is. You know, and and it was yeah, it wasn't like it was near the end of the tour, but we were like miles away. It's not like we could just drive home because so we had to like carry on, you know, the last yeah. like four or five yeah. dates. That is devastating. Yeah, it's pretty intense, yeah. Yeah. We went around to all the music shops the next day asking if anyone had like tried to like sell them because it seems likely that someone yeah. might have like gone to all the music shops and been like, I've got these symbols, I don't want them anymore. They're like brand new, you know, barely been <laughs> barely been beaten, so Yeah. Um Yes, and then because you, you told you told Jory of Skylark, didn't you? After that, and then eventually put, <laughs> put a split out with him. Was just did the split come out? No, we didn't do a split with Skylark. <laughs> it was talked about for like ages. <laughs> like, never did it though. Yeah. I think I think to be honest, like we even talked about it. Like me and John probably talked about it like six months ago. Like, yeah, I guess just do it for fun or whatever. Because there's a bunch of songs we recorded but haven't released. Oh, really? Yeah. So, but it's never going to happen. Like, it's just over now, you know. There's no point, like, yeah. dwelling on the past or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? was, like, that, was that good fun, though, that tour? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty wild, you know. It was pretty intense. Um, yeah, it's just fun hanging out with them, isn't it? Like, yeah. Just like, yeah. Yeah, cool. I can't um, really remember much of it, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I guess um, in most of those places, like you said, um, when you toured like with me and Goliath, and then I guess Lich, you're seeing the same people, yeah. like your friends in different cities, quite a lot, right? Yeah. So talking, talking about seeing the same people, like when <laughs> when Lich were touring loads, there's this really funny story. Like we went to Berlin one year to play a show in Berlin. This guy yeah. put us on in Berlin, and then 
about pretty much a year to that time. It was in the same sort of couple of weeks. We went and played Berlin again. <laughs> we were like, sitting in the bar and I like chilling out after a long drive, having a drink. And this guy comes over to the table and he's like, hey, how's it going? How's it going? <laughs> and like all of us, but Derek, were just like, who the fuck is this? Like, why is this guy talking to us? Like, leave us alone. You know, and then like just kind of like awkwardly ignoring him. So he goes away. Yeah. And then Derek turns around like bright red face. Like, why, why are you being dicks? Why are you being dicks? And we're like, we don't know that guy. And he's like, he put us on last year. <laughs> All four of us were just like, oh, God, like, really embarrassed. Then, like, throughout the night going up to him being like, oh, sorry, like, yeah, how's it going? You know, like, trying to be nice. But, I mean, what was different, I guess, because when the first time he put us on, he had long hair and no beard. But then he had, like, a shaved head and this massive beard. So, I mean, there is excuses, but still, we shouldn't have been rude. (laughs) We shouldn't have been like, who the fuck is this? Like, Yeah, 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 that is funny. Um, Yeah, so... You're a pretty big Leighton Orient fan, right? <laughs> yeah. How's that come about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. Like, when I first moved to London. Have you always been into football? Yeah. But big time. Yeah. But when I first moved to London, like, went and started going to games with Penky, uh, who we lived with, some guy, some Australian guy. He's not some Australian guy. <laughs> He's an Australian guy we know that used to live <laughs> with in Shadwell. And uh, he wanted to go to West Ham games. And I was like, I'm not going to West Ham games. And Orient was cheaper, a bit closer. Yeah. You know, lower late, lower league football. So we just started going to those games. Yeah. Just started liking Orient. Nice. Now you try and travel around quite a bit. <laughs> I mean, sort of, if it's close by. We've got but... a big holiday planned next month, right? Yeah. Where, where are you off to to see him? No, not see Orient. Wrexham. Oh, Wrexham. Yeah, no, that's in November. That's ages away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's because it's we bought one of those like two together rail cards. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. we're like, oh, how can we use these? And I looked at the Orient fixtures and was like, well, we go to Wrexham in November. <laughs> romantic. Yeah. Um, but we went down to Maidstone last year. It was fun. Oh, you were there, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maidstone, that was fun. Um, you did a bit of work with the FA, right? Yeah, I mean, I didn't like do direct work with them. It was through a charity called GI, Gender Intelligence. Okay. Which is like a, a charity that works with trans youth people yeah. uh, on... Like, you know, predominantly people from, like, working class backgrounds or, like, poor backgrounds and stuff. Yeah. Um, just started volunteering them with them again, actually. Um, just sort of, like, admin stuff at their offices. Oh, but maybe do some, like, youth work in the future. But, yeah, they organised it. It was with the FA about trans people in modern football. Yeah. And about trans inclusion and how trans people can be, like, included. Because, obviously, lots of laws and rules around hormones and, you know, like, yeah. identification marks and stuff that, like... Um, like stop trans people being able to play football and like pass a certain level, yeah. uh, unless they like sort of abide by a very sort of like strict set of rules. But it's also more about making like football less transphobic, yeah. you know, and stuff. So like, um, I think they did a lot of good work around like, um, like making sure that all football clubs uh, in the in the football league on the back of their tickets have to have like a little statement about transphobia. If you hear it, there's like a number you can text. It also goes for like racism, homophobia and other stuff, but they didn't really have like trans, uh, transphobic stuff like in the forefront. So you can like text people if you receive any bad treatment. But yeah, basically just did that. So we went for like a meeting at the FA and then like, you know, people talked about their experiences in like going to football matches, playing football or even just sport in general, but mainly football. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then like then we, then like, they talked about it, and they had like policy, and they talked about the policy how it affect people, and then we got invited back to like a fancy uh, 
do at Wembley for like the launch of this like yeah. campaign to like make football more trans inclusive. It's pretty fancy because there's like never been to a fancy event like that where there's like free champagne and like beer. Oh and, wow! You know, people like waiters walking around and like you know the head of the FA's there and yeah, you know it's quite interesting. It was a bit disappointing because like. Um, they invited all the Premier League clubs to like send representatives to the event, like to like you know learn yeah. about it or whatever. But um, only two Premier League clubs did, so oh, really? it was a bit disappointing. Like to hear that, you know, when they have an opportunity to send someone to something like that, yeah. it's a shame that there's like not more. I feel like if it was like something else, like, I can't really think what then they probably would have done if it was like a new initiative for like youth sport or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's just as important. But I mean, I guess it's got bigger. I'm not really like. And then like there was like one other thing, but since then, oh, and they they formed a football team too, like a okay. trans football team, and it was like the first trans football team. So in what? The country. Um, yeah. So but, I don't think it's going anymore though, because there wasn't enough. There wasn't enough people working with it. Yeah, yeah. Because um, it's yeah, because the FA rules are quite strict on who can play in certain teams in certain leagues and that right yeah i mean but most of the rules are based off uh like the olympic ruling okay like i mean i only learned this through that but for most sports even like at every level university level kids level higher level like they go off um like the olympic committee ruling on those rules so like the olympic committee have written like the most in-depth and like account of you know, these sorts of things. And most official sporting bodies just take the uh, Olympic one and, like, make it with their name on it and, yeah. like, do that. Yeah. So the the bad thing is, I guess, is that one's, like, kind of, like, can't be moved. You know, there's lots of stuff that people want to change about that. But no one can. So then a lot of big sports organisations then say, like, well, we go off theirs and theirs is the most, like, thorough, so we might as well keep ours the same. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah, and there's a lot of work to be done with the FA about so many different things. Yeah, that, yeah. Um, I guess there's a lot of people, I guess, fighting their own fight in, exactly, in brackets. Yeah, so yeah, there's, yeah. it's not a, a huge unity of pressure for certain mm. things at certain times. It's like, well, we've got kick it out over here and we've got, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And like, no, for, um, was it no football and homophobia? Football versus homophobia. Yeah. And they're like the, the per, uh, rainbow laces and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think often as well what what can happen is especially with like trans specific issues they can often just get like sort of swept under the LGB banner. Yeah. And like uh, especially with like football viva homophobia they can often just be like well we've already got this like rainbow laces kind of represents you so let's just try and like keep it together is some people's attitude and and not that I'm saying that like one should trump any other but it's yeah. about understanding what makes each one different rather than like you know yeah and 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 you've also got to think like there are still in the in sort of modern football as a whole there is like maybe in professional football in europe especially there's no gay footballers that are out yeah and of course there's gay footballers that exist yeah you know so i think like there's so many barriers that get then get towards trans people because then what happens then, you know? Like even even at the meeting, the, the second like event that we had, like the big event at the FA, there was like a person's dad there, and the dad stood up and was just like, "But it's with like he started saying like, it, it isn't like the the kid's gonna get hurt because like they don't have the right testosterone levels and like are people 
you know, and, and that was a like sort of like line of questioning. But it's just like so masculine, isn't it? It's so like, yeah. you know, one way. Like there are plenty of people who play sport that aren't men that are strong enough to play football. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So his questioning is just like totally like he hasn't thought about it at all. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And <laughs> also football isn't about brute strength. No, no, I mean, I'm I'm specifically talking about here's one question, you know, about strength. If you took strength as one aspect, there is many more things that are in it that you don't need to be strong. But if you are talking about strength, asking if, like, you need testosterone is, like, kind of nonsense because there are people that don't play with massive amounts of it, full stop. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, well, it's amazing that you're starting to volunteer with... Uh, was it gendered intelligence? Right? Gendered intelligence. Yeah, yeah, so that's great. And yeah, that would be really cool. If is that something? Yeah, you'd like to do? You'd volunteer to work with youth? Um, I mean, they they do lots of stuff. Like working with youth is not necessarily something I'd be passionate about. Like they also do like a lot of awareness stuff. So they do like conferences and um, <clears throat> like events and like just make aware like the issues that are going through around legislation, around ideas, around politics and stuff, which they need volunteers for too. So I think I'd be more interested in that sort of stuff. Okay. I do find the the youth work they do is really interesting because yeah. from what I understand, <clears throat> as a charity, it started off um, just sort of like 16 to 24-year-olds, yeah. but now they have like up to 28-year-olds and now they're starting to work with like people up to the age of 30. Okay. You know, so it's definitely something that's expanding. Like, So there's definitely like different areas that you can like look at and then I just like <clears throat> wanted to do something with my time, I guess. Yeah, yeah, Because <laughs> I just want to. So. Yeah, 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 definitely. And I worked with them before and I thought they were, um... <clears throat> yeah, I thought they were... Yeah, I think they're a really good organisation. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's incredible. Um, so, yeah, so, like, um, what are you up to today? Like, um, so you're playing, like, quite a lot of music, right? Um, well, at the moment, just Savage Realm, like, as in uh, it's a band. But I just started a new band with some friends. <laughs> Yeah. Talking about Screamo, it's a Screamo band. Okay. Um, with uh, So basically it's like a queer trans Screamo band. Yeah. And all of us are probably in our 30s now, but kind of looking for like maybe a bit of nostalgia. <laughs> yeah. And, like, uh, and just like decided, you know, it'd be funny to do like a ridiculous sort of um, Screamo band because like it'll be just fun. Um yeah, so that's going. It's going to go. We've got our first practice on Thursday. Yeah, which I'm looking forward to. We we we've like some of us have already written songs and like sent them over the internet. Oh, so sweet. we kind of also have like a basis of what we're doing with. So yeah. some really nice people with a mic from Screenwives. Cool. They're an excellent band. Yeah. You know, absolutely incredible band. Uh, with Zach as well, who played in um, the Potentials until recently, and like seven other bands. Yeah, a lot of bands. <laughs> a lot of bands. Yeah. And I, when we're like doing this one, I'm just thinking, are sure you've got enough time for this? Like, I think I've seen you post four new bands on Instagram this week, you know? But I mean, yeah, yeah like really amazing people. Yeah. Uh, it's called Come In Mouth. So look out for that. Come In Mouth. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll look out for that. Um, yeah. Um, maybe it's a question that is, uh, you know, but um, like, I don't feel like. Um, don't want to feel like I'm putting you on the spot, but like, um, like how how is the like punk scene that you're involved in, like, for 
like you know obviously you talk about doing work with like gen intelligence and talking to people and like how how is it in the punk scene do you think when it comes to trans issues for someone that is within that and the queer um or not within the queer scene per se but the scene bigger in general i mean it's a tough one isn't it i mean i don't i don't really i, don't really, I, I mean i I have opinions about what is going on, but I don't really know what's going on, you know? Yeah. So I'm, I can't really, like, say those opinions are, like, valid or whatever. But, I mean, I, I guess it's difficult and it's, it's different for everyone, isn't it? Different for all people. I feel that there's, like, sort of sort of definite distinct scenes. Okay, yeah. Um, especially if we're talking about London, for example. Yeah. I think there's, like, definitely distinct scenes that somewhat cross over. Because obviously you've got Bentfest, yeah. which is run by... Georgina, which is like an incredible fest, which has like bands from all over, like different types of music. Yeah. <clears throat> I feel that um, Bentfest is definitely like the crossover for a lot of the different like sort of scenes because you sort of got like the poppy, more poppy punk sort of like queer scene. Yeah. And then I think you've got like the more hardcore punk scene. Yeah. Um, I, 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 the one thing I would say is I'd say like the hardcore punk scene is not like a queer scene. It's like a, I'd say, a queer-friendly scene. You know what I mean? Whereas, like, the more poppy punk one is, like, definitely centred and involved around, like, queer like identity and, like, LGB and T identity and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess it's difficult. Like, I, I guess it's two sides because I come into the hardcore punk scene. I go to, like... I mean, I haven't been to a lot of shows lately because I've had no money. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, yeah, yeah. I do try to go to as many shows as possible... And I know that I'll probably be able to go with no money, but sometimes like it's a bit hard, isn't it? It's not yeah, yeah. easier said than done. And I, I'd feel, I, I think that me personally, I feel like comfortable in that in the, in that environment yeah. because I've got a lot of close friends that I'm personally close to. But I do know that like from talking to experiences from other people who identify as LGBT or queer, that they don't feel comfortable going to a lot of those shows. Yeah, because they just don't feel included. Like a big one, for example, I guess, was the Limp Wrist show at Static Shock. Okay. And like my experience of that was there was like so many queer people that love Limp Wrist that didn't go because they didn't feel comfortable going to the Static Shock. Yeah. And there's lots of experiences that I've heard about that. You know, I'm not saying that it's like a non-inclusive place or whatever, because it's not, because, I mean, I have lots of friends that are queer that go there yeah. and feel comfortable going there. But then it is about like like listening to the people that don't feel comfortable mm. you know yeah i think it's like a nice place it's a good environment a good atmosphere but when you've got like the biggest like you know queer band in the world and there's lots of people that don't feel comfortable going there i think that there's definitely some issues that could be raised yeah like but i don't i wouldn't i'm not I, personally i don't think that it's something to be like like really critical of like in a bad way in like a negative way yeah i think yeah. it's like it, it's easy to be critical of in like a positive way. Like there, yeah. There's easily change. Sparking conversations. Yeah. And and I feel, I mean, this is my experience. Again, I can't talk about other people's experiences at all. But my experience is that if, especially in like sort of more like hardcore and punky scenes in London, like certain ones, not like tough guy hardcore stuff, but in certain punk scenes, if issues like this get raised, they get talked about in like a really sensible way and a really yeah. sensible fashion that like needs to be talked about and resolved. From my experience, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm if I'm sure there's some others' experiences that would disagree. Yeah, but I think it's important to have that dialogue. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. thank you because you know I'm obviously <laughs> cis male, but uh, you know 
all I can do is listen and ask if I feel like it's appropriate to ask. Yeah. So I can hear um, yeah. about that, really. But, I mean, it's a tough subject unless you've got a room with, like, 20 people in with all different identities. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, my opinion doesn't really matter for much because it's just my opinion. It matters to me, but doesn't really matter for much else. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's just about experience, isn't it? Like that's, 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 all, that's all I can say about it. Okay. Like, like I was... I was there at the Limpris show and, you know, I've been at other shows and I've felt comfortable. There's yeah. some shows where I haven't felt comfortable, but yeah. maybe that's like not because anyone else is purposefully making me feel uncomfortable. I just feel uncomfortable about the situation. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Are you excited to um, play with coming coming mouth, Come mouth. Uh, yeah yeah because i guess um because i know with savage realm um a few of you kind of dress up a little bit and stuff oh, do you feel yeah. like certain bands you can express you like to express different aspects of your personality with certain bands do you think yeah i mean in in in, in this band specifically we spoke about you know like playing in drag okay. like in different forms of drag so i think that's going to be a thing and i think we talked about it more just like like we know screamo's cheesy but yeah. we love it yeah and it is like we just want to be in a funny screamo band that just like does funny stuff and it's more about what we talked about is the visibility so we want to do it because um we want to like you know because the thing is with screamo as well is it's very macho you know like a lot of like, you know, Crimea River, for example, although I love going there. Again, yeah. this is like one experience. Yeah. I think a lot of people would have a very different opinion. But like, it mostly is just men that play in the bands. Yeah. Like maybe like three women, that, that, you know. And this is not just like the, at that festival. This is like, you know, a current theme through every sort yeah. of like big hardcore scene, you know what I mean? Or punk scene. Like in some scenes, obviously not. And some shows, obviously not. And I definitely feel that it's better all the time, you know. But the the main thing is that we just want to go and, you know, express our identity while making, like, really loud, aggressive music that's really fast and yeah. just, like, you know, talk about stuff. And I think that's just really important. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you're drumming in this, right? Yeah. Are you writing any riffs as well? Or? I mean, I've written some riffs as well, yeah. Nice. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm not going to play guitar. I'm going to play drums. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's um, happening with Savage Realm? Any any new songs? No. <laughs> I mean, I literally have no idea what's going on with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know, like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess um, the band won't be going anywhere, will it, when it's like old, old, old friends. That... Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's just that... I think it's just one of those things, isn't it? It's just it's there. It's just one of those. It's just one of those. just one of them, isn't it? It's just one of them. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's just like... Maybe we'll practice again. Maybe we won't. Yeah, yeah. No one's yeah. really talked about it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, someone will write a message on the WhatsApp, and no one will reply to it, including myself. And then like I'll write a message, and no one will reply to it. Yeah. And then one person will reply like three weeks later. Oh, sorry, I didn't reply. And then no one will reply. To it. <laughs> so like, yeah. it, I guess when you get off at a show and you're like, oh, I guess we can do it. You're like, oh shit, we better practice. Yeah, but yeah. Or most of the time it's just like, nah, can't do the show. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So and we we don't really get offered shows. No, that's a bad thing. Just. Just yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sweet. Yeah. Um, I guess that's so. Yeah, I guess that's it, really. Like, um, have you got plans for the next year or so? Uh, just to work, really. Started yeah. practicing with Ben as well. 
Yeah, like so a band another, with Ben. We another. only did one practice, but then like other things have got in the way. Um, but we like recorded a couple of videos. Ben who plays in Skylark, right? Yeah, Ben who plays in Skylark. Yeah. Just say Ben. Like everyone knows who Ben is. Like you know Ben. You know him. Oh, don't Benny. You? Yeah, Ben. Benny you Buds. know Ben. You know Benny Buds. Not Benny Buds. Not Benny Buds. No. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I was lucky enough to see the video. It's, it's, oh, did sick. Ben show you? Yeah. All oh, right. Yeah. 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 I mean, I really actually like like it a lot. It's just that things in life have not permitted us to practice. Yeah. So the couple of songs that we did do, I really enjoy. So I think it's one for the future because obviously I had no money, so I couldn't even practice. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um yeah, definitely definitely one for the future. Sweet. Well, um I guess we're like we're there really. We're I there. Think, I, I think we've had well, I've really enjoyed this chat. Yeah, it's been really nice. enjoyed it. Yeah. I was a bit I was a bit worried at first cuz like it, it seems so unnatural because just because of the mic that everything yeah. that's surrounding, but then it became natural very quick like <laughs> it's very strange, yeah. you know, like very conscious. Once you slipped into one of those stories. Yeah. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Probably not going to listen back, though, to be honest. Fair enough. I hate the sound of my voice. Um, anything you want to say going out, or are you all good? I mean, I should have prepared a statement, really, shouldn't I? Like, yeah. an, an, an opening, an, an, a finishing statement, but yeah, um, I didn't. I guess, um, yeah, so we know the bands that you are playing in, so people can look them up. Can you also let me know if you've got any meme accounts or anything that people can look up? <laughs> I mean, I don't have any yet, but I mean, I, I mean, I've just set up a new meme account today, actually. <laughs> oh, really? Funnily enough, that you say that. <laughs> what, yeah. What's that on Instagram? I, I mean, it's called NBA Cemetery. NBA Cemetery. And it's basically just going to write eulogies for like people that get disrespected in basketball. Nice. So put a link on there and get loads of people to follow, and we'll think of some funny eulogies. Sweet. Yeah. Lol. Cool. There we go. Thank you, Gabby. Thanks. Hey, thanks for listening. This episode was recorded, edited, etc. by Liam at Clayton. Check him out at Liam C Audio. Um, this song is by Gabby's band Lich. It's called Deep Waves and it came out on a split 10-inch with man hands. Hope you're well, take care of yourselves and I'll catch you soon. Peace!